Hello, and welcome to the Breathe Easy Nursing Podcast. My name is Nina Bracken, Web Director for the Nursing Assembly. In these podcasts, we interview leading clinicians and researchers and ask them to share their perspectives on topics related to nursing and pulmonary and critical care. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Drs. Lynn Reinke and Joshua Hauser, who will lead today's podcast on palliative care in adults with chronic lung disease. Lynn Reinke is an investigator in health services and nurse practitioner in pulmonary medicine at the Seattle Veterans Administration. Her program of research focuses on testing delivery models to integrate palliative care into subspecialties, including oncology and pulmonary. Joshua Hauser is Associate Professor of Medicine and Fellowship Director in Palliative Medicine at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine. He is also Chief of the Palliative Care Section at the Jesse Brown VA Medical Center in Chicago, where he spends part of each week as a palliative care physician integrated into an advanced COPD clinic. Drs. Reinke and Hauser, it is a pleasure to speak with you today. Josh, we'll start with you. Um, what is palliative care? Nina, thanks for having us, too. It's a pleasure. Um, palliative care is medical care for patients with serious illnesses delivered by an interdisciplinary team. Its focus is really on providing symptom control and family support in the setting of these serious illnesses. And its overall goal is one that focuses on quality of life for patients and their families. And it often occurs alongside more traditional disease-directed therapies. And what are the main domains of palliative care? One of the um, founders of palliative care in the 70s and 80s was a, a woman named Cicely Saunders, and she was a physician but also had training in social work and nursing. So she herself was almost a one-person interdisciplinary team. And Cicely Saunders described palliative care as um, treating total pain, and that has really been a lasting framework for the domains of palliative care. So that includes things like physical pain, emotional pain, social, spiritual, and practical aspects of suffering that patients and families endure. So those uh, aspects are the domains of palliative care. And then when I think about it, both with students and with myself, I get even more simplistic or more basic, and I think of two very basic ideas. One is symptoms and all the different physical, emotional, et cetera, symptoms that someone might have. And the other is goals of care, or what I sometimes call the big picture, and all of the issues of uh, what are this patient's hopes for this illness, what are this patient's fears for this illness, what are some of the coping issues and some of the family support issues that we can bring to bear for this patient and family. Thank you. That's great. And Lynn, can you tell us how you got into palliative care and what your area of focus is? Certainly. I started out as a nurse practitioner in pulmonary and critical care medicine. And during my everyday practice, I witnessed so many patients um, suffering with uncontrolled dyspnea um, and fatigue and, and, and several other debilitating symptoms that really led to lower quality of life for these patients. So when I decided to go back to, um, to obtain my PhD, I decided to study methods of integrating palliative care into pulmonary care. So my current program of research continues that, and I have a focus on dyspnea crisis management, as well as testing nurse-led models of palliative care delivery. 
Thank you. And Josh, can you tell us how you got into palliative care and what your focus is as well? Sure. So um, I first became acquainted with palliative care as a medical student, um, really through the care of a couple very specific patients, one on my medicine rotation who was suffering with a very aggressive form of scleroderma, and one on my surgery rotation who had an unexpected uh, finding of uh, ovarian cancer. And I remember feeling, and this is a few years ago, as in more than 20, um, I remember feeling at that time that um, we were, as a team of doctors and other people, but mostly doctors at that point, caring for these patients, we didn't have much to offer them in the way of um, discussing goals of care, in the way of thinking about their symptoms, in the way of even talking amongst ourselves about what they were going through. And so it was really at that point as a, as a third-year medical student that I began to think about this as a focus for my career. And so following my residency in internal medicine, I then did a fellowship in palliative care, and I've been a palliative care physician ever since. Um, I am most interested in education in palliative care and specifically in how we integrate palliative care with other specialties. Pulmonary medicine is one example, but oncology, emergency medicine, um, congestive heart failure, et cetera, are other examples. Um, so that's really been my focus uh, over the course of my career around education in those domains. Excellent. Thank you both. Lynn, for our listeners who are not as familiar with palliative care specialty, can you tell us what the difference is between palliative care and hospice? Certainly. You know, um, palliative care is really focused on patients that are living with serious illnesses that have unmet needs that can maybe be helped by um, palliative care specialists. So some examples, as Josh um, mentioned, is initiating or um, conducting goals of care conversations. And often, as pulmonary providers, we um, are not maybe educated or have the skill set to be involved with um, in initiating these conversations or we might be uncomfortable. So that's one of the examples that palliative care specialists can really provide to, to help us. It's also, again, um, helping with complicated symptom management, such as chronic pain or dyspnea, spiritual needs, and um, specifically also a focus on family and caregiver support. On the other hand, hospice is for patients with a life expectancy of six months or less. So for hospice and other insurances to reimburse um, for hospice services, the patient cannot be undergoing disease-modifying treatments. And one example of that is chemotherapy for patients specifically maybe with lung cancers. So I'll give you an example for a patient with um, chronic lung disease. The patient needs to be prescribed um, supplemental long-term oxygen therapy as well as have an FEV1 less than 30% and, and um, evidence of decreasing functional ability such as ambulation um, and perhaps malnutrition to qualify for um, hospice services to be reimbursed. Thank you. And Josh, can you tell us if there is a difference or what the difference is in what primary palliative care clinicians and specialty palliative care clinicians do? Thanks, Nina. This is, a, I think, an important question for the field because so many of the, I think, aspects of palliative care, the domains that we discussed a little while ago, are so sort of fundamental to 
medicine. And by medicine, I don't just mean physicians. I mean everyone involved in the care of patients. So in the context of primary palliative care, those skills are those things that every clinician, and this includes physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, social workers, can use in the care of patients with serious illness. These are things such as basic symptom control and approaches to symptom assessment, and basic communication skills for eliciting patient preferences and goals of care. That's what we hope any clinician can do and does do. Now, specialty palliative care um, are more advanced skills that fellowship-trained physicians and nurses and others with, with advanced training can gain. And those include more advanced symptom control, um, approaches to more complex communication skills, such as patient and family discord and difficult family experiences that patients and families might be going through, as well as coordination between hospice and other settings of care. The other distinction um, or augmentation, I think, that specialty palliative care clinicians often do have is that we tend to work a little bit more consistently in interdisciplinary teams. So we see that as kind of our basic um, setting of work uh, as specialty palliative care practitioners. Thanks, Josh. That's very helpful. Um, Lynn. I understand you've prepared a case study to help introduce us to the type of patient that you see or that Josh might see or other palliative care clinicians may see in a typical clinic. Uh, would you like to run us through that case study? Certainly. Let me tell you about Mr. B. Um, Mr. B is 72 years old. He's a male diagnosed with um, COPD gold stage 4. He has a low FEV1 of uh, percent predicted of 28%. And he's reported over to the emergency room four times over the past year for acute dysmic episodes that end up um, with panic attacks. And he was also admitted twice to the hospital for COPD exacerbations last year. So during the last hospitalization, he required mechanical um, intubation. However, he was weaned within 24 hours, which was fortunate. But he did go home with supplemental oxygen therapy. He used to be really active, but over the past uh, several years, he'd report in clinic when he'd come in that he'd see this gradual decline. He used to tell me he could walk, you know, several miles on a flat level, but now he's really limited to about one city block. And this is challenging for him because he takes public transportation um, to go to the grocery store and medical appointments. He complains of severe dyspnea on exertion, specifically when he's doing upper body activities like grooming or bathing or trying to shave. He's also um, concerning because his weight is um, challenging to maintain, so he doesn't have a lot of energy to prepare his meals. He's, uh, his uh, social situation, he's divorced and he lives in a senior housing complex. So he has some multiple needs that may you know, be addressed with palliative care. So reflecting on Mr. B, are there indications for placing a palliative care consult? So, yes, as I mentioned, I think there's several that we could highlight or pull out of this case. And one is the fact that he has severe COPD with a very low FEV1, so that really limits his ability um, to, to do you know, daily activities um, because of his shortness of breath. 
He has multiple ER visits and hospitalizations within the past year. So we often look back at the past year as sort of a, a time frame of how a patient's doing. Um, and he was also intubated, even though it was a short period of time. That might be a clue for us to initiate goals of care around would, how was that experience with him and would he want intubated again in the future if he would become um, sick and need that type of um, in, intensive care. And also then um, oxygen therapy was an, initiated. So that whole combination of his decline in functional ability, I think, um, are an indication for placing a palliative care consult with, for, for Mr. B. Great. And in your experience, how could palliative care specialists help Mr. B to progress? Well, I think they can help so much with um, symptom assessment, much more in-depth sometimes than um, we do as, as uh, clinicians in, in a specialty clinic. They can make um, management um, recommendations for dyspnea, anxiety, and his weight loss using both um, pharmacological and non-pharmacological treatments. So one example of that is you know, teaching people alternative methods for dyspnea management such as um, breathing exercises or um, different types of uh, position changes, etc. Again, we can conduct um, goals of care conversations considering his multiple admissions and his recent intubation, which really puts him at a higher risk for recurrent exacerbations. And then there's also the social service piece. It sounds like he may need some help at home with transportation or some support in the home with um, maybe home care services or home care nurse to check on him. Great. So you've provided a, a wonderful case study packed full of helpful information. In summary, what can we learn from this case study? Well, I think as pulmonary clinicians, we see a lot of patients that look like Mr. B, but we often overlook the fact that, um, you know, palliative care specialists have expertise that might be able to help us as clinicians think about different approaches that maybe we hadn't thought of, and also to help our patients improve their quality of life, which again goes back to the definition of, of what really our goal is of palliative care, is to help with um, patients' um, quality of life. And thank you for helping us think about that. I guess I would just add a, a couple things to to some of the some of the discussion points. And one is that I think there's a lot of concern amongst all of us, myself included, about how to even bring up palliative care with patients such as this. Um, one of the things that I often do is um, ask a very general question of patients, something like, you know, what has what has it been like? over these last months or over this last year in terms of how your illness has been changing for you? That's a very general question, but often helps give some reframing for the patient as well as for all of us as clinicians. The other, I think, um, entry point often for us in the Rolls Clinic, the Recovering from Obstructive Lung Disease Clinic at the VA where I work, is asking about advanced care planning and about thinking about the future. And that can be something that we can normalize by saying that every patient should think about this and all of us should think about this in terms of naming a healthcare proxy or thinking about priorities for the future. So those are a couple ways which I think all of us as primary palliative care 
uh, clinicians and as palliative care specialists might um, at least start to broach the topic of palliative care. Thank you, Paul. Josh, can you tell us a little bit about the practical aspects of working in palliative care and the interdisciplinary team approach, perhaps the integration of medicine with nursing, spiritual care, respiratory therapy, physical therapy, and any other fields that you routinely work with? Yeah, so this, you know, working um, on interdisciplinary teams is one of the most fulfilling parts of being a palliative care physician. Um, it can also be challenging. I don't want to be too romantic about it, but it's a very fulfilling and important part of what we do. So practically, uh, both at the VA and at Northwestern, our kind of core palliative care team is a physician, nurse practitioner, social worker, and chaplain. And that's pretty consistent with other places as well. But what's interesting is, of course, we reach out very consistently to many other colleagues who are taking care of patients at any given time, and those might be physical therapists or nutritionists. Um, or respiratory therapists. So there's a core team, that's, and then there's sort of spokes from that core team that, depending on the patient, will reach out. One of the things I've become interested in in recent years is something that I call the non-traditional interdisciplinary team. And it's really trying to think about and really honor the contributions that other colleagues contribute to the care of patients. So nurses' assistants who notice a patient is in pain when I, as a palliative care physician, totally missed it or didn't ask the right question. Or a sitter, um, you know, uh, someone who sits with a patient who might be at risk for injury or harm to his or herself, and a sitter who spent all night with this patient and what she or he can tell us about their mental status, what calms him down, et cetera. So I think that we tend to be very broad in who we consider the interdisciplinary team. I mentioned the four core people at the beginning, but we reach out to a lot of different people along the way. In our rolled clinic, or the Recovering from Obstructive Lung Disease Clinic, which is our advanced COPD clinic at the VA, the team includes pulmonary physicians, includes nurses who specialize in pulmonary care, and includes a community health worker to really better connect, as Lynn was mentioning before, patients to community and home-based resources. Thanks, Jonathan. I think that, that provides a lot of um, very useful information, um, especially to people who may be thinking about uh, starting a palliative care service or an inter interdisciplinary clinic uh, like the one at the Jesse Brown VA. Can you tell us, um, what do inpatient palliative care teams' responsibilities look like versus outpatient palliative care teams? Yeah, such an interesting question, Nina. Um, so I, I spend most of my time on the inpatient side, and um, you know our responsibilities are most often as consultants. So at some institutions there are palliative care units, in which case the, the palliative care team is the main team taking care of the patient, and they reach out to other clinicians for consultation. But more commonly, and certainly at Northwestern and the Jesse Brown VA where I spend my time, we have a consultation team. So we are asked, um, we don't have automatic consultations, um, but we are asked to see patients with serious illnesses of various sorts or uh, challenges around goals of care or symptoms, et cetera. And so our responsibilities include, you know, addressing 
symptoms, addressing goals of care. And we have a very important responsibility around coordinating with the main teams as well. That's often overlooked and I think is often a challenge for, um, for all of us in the setting of inpatient medicine. In other words, patients will have their main medical team taking care of them and then we'll have a cardiologist who's a consultant and the other people that go along with his or her team. Um, they'll have a palliative care physician who's a consultant and the other people that go along with my palliative care team etc. So we often find ourselves, um, I hope, taking important responsibility around coordination of care in the inpatient setting. Now in the outpatient setting it's similar, although in the outpatient setting we ultimately have much less control because we're seeing patients so briefly. Um, so you know, my focus when I'm in the rolled clinic with my pulmonary colleagues is really on thinking a little bit about goals of care in the form of advanced care planning and on sort of family and home support for patients uh, as well as symptom control. Thank you, Josh. Lynn, you introduced us to Mr. B and helped us think through earlier a case study of a patient that uh, may or may not require palliative care. As clinicians, how do we decide when our patient needs palliative care? Thank you for that question. You know, it's really, um, I think, often challenging for clinicians not to have specific medical indications for when they can refer patients to palliative care. And so sometimes, you know, we really need to use our judgment. Um, so in my opinion, I think in general, we refer patients too late for palliative care. And I think it's often because clinicians equate palliative care with hospice, and so do many patients. Um, when I bring up um, palliative care to patients, as Josh had talked about introducing this topic to people, um, often I have patients respond, I'm not ready for hospice yet, I'm not ready to die. And so helping them to understand that palliative care is really supportive care that can help them with um, the domains that have previously been mentioned. So. I like to think uh, as a pulmonary clinician, when we've exhausted like all the tools in our toolkit, we have optimized medical management for Mr. B, he's on all the appropriate medications, you know, he has gone to pulmonary rehab, etc. The palliative care most likely has additional approaches that can help patients manage these um, very challenging symptoms and perhaps as you know they even do prepare to transition into hospice. You know, as again, as we've mentioned, their uh, palliative care specialists are very well trained um, in handling difficult goals of care conversations, um, particularly when there might be conflicts amongst families um, with treatment preferences or, or patients changing their minds often about their treatment preferences, which we see every day. So in my perfect world, I think all of our subspecialties would have clinicians trained in the primary palliative care, the, the basic domains, and then integrate this into our own routine practices and then reach out to specialists when we, um, we need their, their expertise. Thank you, Lynn. 
You've just heard from Drs. Joshua Hauser and Lynn Reinke. Thank you both for speaking to us today. If there are any questions or comments related to this podcast, or you would like to make suggestions for future topics, please contact the Nursing Assembly at nursingatthoracic.org. This is Nina Bracken and our palliative care experts signing off.